Matthew chapter 4 this morning, verse number 18. The Bible says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John the bro- his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic. We got some of those this morning in the room, I'm sure, so we could definitely uh, have Jesus in the room with us. That would be advantageous. The Bible goes on to say, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. And seeing the multitudes, he went, into a, went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love you with all of our hearts. Thank you so much for the privilege we have of being here this morning. Please, I pray, Lord, that you would allow me the privilege of being used by you. Lord, speak through me by your Holy Spirit. I ask, Lord, in Jesus' precious name, amen. I already mentioned I sat down and I kind of began to think, what is Roundup Sunday? What, what, What is it to you, I would like to ask? What is Roundup Sunday to you? Is Roundup Sunday just the weekend every year that we have our rodeo on? Which we had a great rodeo yesterday, man, I'll tell you what. We had good bull riding. We had a a whole bunch of people there. Uh, No calves ran over children this year, so that was a blessing. Um, But uh, we had a great day yesterday, and a a lot of people volunteered their time. And I believe the Lord blessed, and, and we saw those folks saved because of it. It was a great day. Is that what Roundup Weekend is, just the weekend we host our rodeo? Is Roundup Weekend the weekend that we have our cowboy breakfast? How many of you got to go back to the fellowship hall and have the cowboy breakfast this morning? Amen. Was that good stuff? Tell you what, it sure smelled good. I I, I don't eat much before game time. You know, this is my game time. This is, uh, so I don't really eat that much before game time or after game time. So I didn't go back there and join y'all, but I heard it was great. It smelled great. And I want to thank all the men uh, that stayed up all night long and prepared that food. I'm not even sure if they're in the room this morning. They're probably finding the most comfortable bed they can find right now. But I want to thank those men for working all night long to give us that cowboy breakfast. But is that what Roundup Weekend is? Or is Roundup Weekend the weekend where we have our 
our, 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 our family picture opportunity. You know, I, I hate going to family pictures. So it just so happens that it's great. The church builds us a little scene for our family to take a yearly picture. Is that what it is to you? I'll tell you what, let me encourage you. This year's setup and scene, backdrop, whatever you want to call it, is fantastic. At the end of the service, here it is right here. Uh, you can see it. The guys helped me out there. Uh, there's the backdrop. Your family can get right there. It's a great, great looking backdrop this year. Hope you'll go back there. That's just in the room attached to the fellowship hall. It's free, free to use. Um, and uh, you just go back there after church and enjoy that. But is that what Roundup Weekend is? Boy, I sure hope not. And I hope that within the events... And the, the rodeo and the breakfast and in all the stuff that we do on Roundup Weekend, we do not forget to include the master of ceremonies. That we would not forget that Jesus is the reason we're all here. And there's no amount of family pictures, no amount of cowboy breakfast, and no amount of rodeo that's more important than preaching and knowing Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. Amen. This morning, if I kind of looked at this passage as Jesus' own personal roundup. I mean, if you think about it, he's walking through by the sea and he kind of begins to gather a bunch of people to help, help him serve. And to me, roundup Sunday is this. We ask anybody and everybody to come to church with us. We ask our family members. We ask our foes, which sometimes are similar. We ask our friends. We ask our neighbors. We ask our relatives. We ask our worker, co-workers. We ask church members. Did you know a lot of them tend to not come to church? We ask our church members. We ask our ex-church members because a lot of them probably don't remember what they're missing. So we ask everybody to come back to church and just enjoy a day talking and preaching about Jesus. That's what Roundup is to me. And if you think about it, Jesus going throughout the region here and he just, he's kind of gathering up or rounding up his little group of men that are going to serve with him. And if we're going to include Jesus in this Roundup Sunday, I want to take a look at Jesus's Roundup Day and see if we can learn some things this morning. So I want to share with you, number one, this, an exciting invitation that he gave these men. Look in verse number 19, the Bible says this. And he saith unto them, and this is Simon Peter and Andrew his brother, verse number 19, and he saith unto them, follow me. Follow me. I mean, I don't know what the life of a fisherman is like. I can tell you when I go fishing, it's a rather boring experience. Not because fishing in general is boring, but because I'm not a very good fisherman. So my talent makes that a boring activity. I don't catch many fish, so uh, I generally do not enjoy long hours on the lake with no bites. So I'm not a great fisherman, and I don't know how active or engaging the life of a fisherman would be, but can you imagine how exciting this, this prospect of an adventure with Jesus must have been to these men? Every day they would have gotten up and done the same thing. Every day they would have just gotten up early because for some reason fish only buy early. Have you all noticed that, those of you that go fishing? For some reason you've got to beat the fish up. You know, we've we got to wake up super early before the sun even comes up, get on the lake before the sun comes up. I don't understand that. They bite all day. they got to eat all day. But we get up super early. It makes us feel like we're doing something. 
That's the life of a fisherman, getting up early, going out, long hours on the water. These men weren't rod and reel fishermen. They would have fished with nets, trying to catch large portions of fish at a single time, taking them in. They were commercial fishermen. They weren't fishing just for their families. They were fishing to sail. This was their livelihood. But I can imagine, just like most jobs, the repetitive day-to-day nature of this could have gotten a little boring. And now this man, and we don't know much about this man so far. I mean, this is just the fourth chapter of Matthew. This is early on in his ministry. Certainly these men knew very little about him. And he comes up to them and says, follow me. I don't know, uh, Jesus, I've really been enjoying my 4 a.m. alarm clock. I don't know, Jesus, this mending the nets thing is really, really something I enjoy. No, this surely surely would have been an exciting invitation for these men. I want you to notice two things about these men, though. Number one, they were normal men. (laughs) These guys weren't high society types. These guys were the blue-collar guys. I mean, these were the backbone of society that got no credit. Y'all remember when we had that hurricane hit Houston recently? And there was this group of men, I believe they came from Louisiana, we called them the Cajun Army. Do y'all remember that? And these men, they were just kind of normal men. They all were armed with about 14 foot John boats and a beat up pickup truck. These men got in a line and they all kind of gathered up and said, we're going to go down and help these people in Houston. And they, they did. They got in a line and man, the convoy was stretched out miles and miles and miles. They drove from Louisiana, came to help those men in need, those people in need. You know, that's kind of the way I imagine these guys. You know how much credit those guys got for coming and helping? Not much. Those are the backbone of America. Those men that are willing to help a neighbor in a time of need, I believe they're what makes America great. Not the politicians. Man, I'm tired of hearing about them. Not the people that sit there and pick it all day long, but somebody, when someone else is in need, lift a hand and do more than just send a little money to make themselves feel good. But they actually put their nose to the grindstone and put their money where their mouth is and they go and they serve and they help. Man, those are the backbone of America. They make America great. That's what Peter and Andrew would have been. They're just normal men, though. Nobody's special. And I want you to notice this, and this is very important. But Jesus did not invite them to follow him based upon what they had to offer him. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I'm a little unqualified to be a Christian. Sometimes I feel like I'm not worthy. Sometimes I feel like, I, you know, we got to reach the world with the gospel. And we got a local church here in Joshua, Texas. And we're just trying to get Johnson County. And sometimes the idea of reaching the world takes a back seat to the, the overwhelming nature of reaching just Johnson County. I think of how many people are here on my way to church this morning. I'm looking at all the people and I'm thinking, man, there's a lot of people that need Christ. And there's just an overwhelming type of sense. And sometimes I get overwhelmed like, oh, Lord, I don't have the talent you need. Lord, I don't have the ability you need. I can't speak well enough. I can't care well enough. Lord, I can't love enough. Lord, I'm just not able to do everything that you want me to do. But notice Jesus did not extend this invitation based upon their merits or what they had to offer him. 
Every invitation that Jesus has ever extended was based solely on what he could do for the one receiving the invitation. I don't know what you think about yourself this morning. Maybe you consider yourself a special person, but I would guess in this room that I'm speaking to, most people feel like they fit in the normal category. Right there, nobody special, just somebody trying to live their life. Did you know that's who Jesus reached out to? Just the normal kind of people. Not only were these men normal, but they were sinful. There's a story, and and, and it's when Jesus, uh, one of the first times Jesus ever approaches Peter and And Peter's mending his nets and they've been toiling all night long. And Jesus says, Peter, I need to use your boat. We need to cast out from the uh, 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 shore a little way so that way I can speak to the great multitude of people. So Peter doesn't say anything. He does what Jesus asks and they launch out from the shore just a little ways. Jesus teaches and preaches that great multitude of people. After concluding his message, he looks down at Peter, who I'm certain just sat in the bottom of the boat looking at Jesus and hanging on to every word he said. And and now Jesus instructs Peter, hey, Peter, I asked you to launch out just a little ways from shore, but now, Peter, I'm going to ask you to launch out into the deep. And Peter said, Lord, we have toiled all night long, but nevertheless, at thy word, I'll do it. Peter goes out exactly where Jesus, I tell you what, that's, that is the best fish finder in the world. You can have your garments, you can have your hummingbirds, you can have your low rances. I'll take Jesus on my boat telling me where the fish are, amen? And Peter does it. Maybe with a little bit of a doubtful attitude, maybe a little put out by the request, but nonetheless, Peter does it. Jesus instructs them how they are to fish, where they are to fish. Peter obeys, which, by the way, is all Jesus asks of us. Obey. Just so happens that even though Peter did not enjoy a great deal of success the night before, they let down their nets, and the Bible says that their nets begin to break. There's so many fish. And they they summon over another boat. And I don't know if you know this, by the way, but fishermen are very careful to give away their honey hole. You ask a fisherman, you know, fishermen come up to you all the time and show you pictures of the fish they catch. And you say, man, what a big fish. That's, wow, what a fish. Where'd you catch him at? Oh, you know, it's north of here somewhere in the vicinity of water. You know, and you're thinking, come on, man, share a little more information. Fishermen are very careful to give away their secrets. And this is such a good day that Peter says, come on, we need all the help we can get. And they let down their net and their net begins to break. And the Bible says there's so many fish on board, the boats begin to sink. And Peter so amazed at what is going on, looks at Jesus, says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. You don't think Peter knew his sin nature? Peter knew of all people he was a sinner. And while we don't have record of Andrew sinning, I wonder if that's a coincidence, While we don't have record of Andrew ever sinning, I promise you he was a sinful man. Just like James and just like John. 
aren't you glad that Jesus did not call you based upon your righteous standing at the time? Tell you what, if we were real honest about where Jesus found us, most of us were the down and outers, the backsliders. Most of us were, as the Bible put it, children of wrath. And we, were set, we had set our face against God and all that he had for us. And yet when Jesus came to us and said, follow me, he wasn't doing it based upon what you could do for him or based on what you had done in the past. He come to you as a low down, rotten, scoundrel sinner. And he said, follow me. Even Jesus said, I came not to heal the uh, uh, healthy. I came to heal those that were sick and heal the hurting. I came to call sinners to repent, not the righteous, the Bible says. Jesus came to heal the hurting. You ever gone to the doctor and the doctor looks at you? I've never understood this. Most of the time you have the waiting room. You wait in there a little bit and then they take you back. And you think you're going to see the doctor, but there's actually a secondary waiting room that you go into. And this one has butcher paper on the table. You sit in that room like a prisoner for just a while. Usually a little girl comes in with a computer. And she begins to ask everything that's going on. Okay, what, what, seems, what seems to be going on? And you tell her, well, I can't talk because my throat's so sore. And you tell her, I've got a sore throat, I've got a runny nose, I'm just sneezing my head off, I'm coughing, I'm just miserable, I just need some relief. And you see her over there. And you're thinking, what are you doing? Are you Facebooking right now? Are you tweeting all of my maladies to the world? In a little bit, she leaves and says, the doctor will be in to see you. You sit in that room a little bit with the great magazine selection. Seems every one of them are feminine in nature. What we need is we need a bow hunting magazine in there. Amen, gentlemen? Just give me the Bass Pro Master Catalog. I will be content for a little bit. But no, all we got is home designer stuff in there. So praise the Lord for that. Nothing to do, waiting on the doctor to show up, hearing just a little bit, hear a knock on the door. And the doctor enters. And you know what he generally starts out the conversation as? What seems to be the problem? I take it you don't have a Facebook. What did that little girl just enter into the computer for a year and a half of my life? What seems to be the problem? I don't know, Doc. If I knew the problem, I would not be coming to you. I am paying you to tell me the problem. Amen? Look, Jesus, when he came to this earth and he extended to you the invitation to follow him, he already knew your problem. He didn't need a nurse practitioner's help, and he certainly didn't need Facebook's help. He knew your problem, and yet he extends to each and every one of us the same invitation, and that is this, follow me. These men were just normal men. They were sinful men. But what an exciting invitation they received from Jesus. Notice, secondly, on Jesus' roundup, not only an exciting invitation, I want you to see an extreme challenge. Verse number 19, 
there's really two parts to what Jesus is saying. He, he says in verse number 19, follow me. That's the invitation. I mean, that's, that's exciting, right? But here's the second part to it. And I will make you. Certainly the rest of the phrase is very important, but that's not the reason we're studying it this morning. He says, I will make you fishers of men, but do not read over this. I will make you. Did you know Jesus not only wants you to follow him, but in the pursuit of him, he wants to change you to be honorable for his glory? He wants to make you, as the Bible says, meat for the master's use. You come to Jesus, he doesn't just say, follow me and things will go the same. He says, follow me and everything will change. Man, sometimes it's hard for us to change, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard for us to admit that we need change. And if you're going to take part in this extreme challenge, there's three things you're going to have to admit this morning. Number one, you're going to have to admit you could stand some improving. You need some help. And that's not always easy for us to admit, but, but some of us have cracks. Some of us are broken. Some of us don't have this thing all figured out. And to that person I say this, Jesus invites you to follow him and he will make you what you need to be for him. There was a young man, we, we just know him as the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus one day. And when he came, he, he, he approached Jesus with respect and with an appropriate question, he said, Good master, what can I do to in inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, Well, you need to do the law. And he says, Which one? And Jesus goes on to list off all the laws. He, he lists off honoring your father and mother. He, he lists off, Thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not kill. He, he lists all of the laws off. And the young man looks at Jesus and he says, but all of these have I kept from my, my youth. And then he asks this question, but what do I lack? You see, this young man knew that even though he had been quote unquote religious for years, there was something missing. But what lack I? Why is my heart still hurting? Why do I still fill this void? Why do I still struggle? Because Jesus hadn't made him yet. Jesus looked at him and said, Okay, if, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all that thou hast and give thy goods to the poor. But don't miss this. And Jesus goes on to say, And follow me. He extended to this young man the same invitation he extended to Peter and James and John and Andrew. Follow me. It's the same invitation he extends to you this morning. But if you are going to take part in this extreme challenge, you're going to have to realize you don't have this life all figured out. And you're going to have to realize that you could stand some improving. Second thing you'll have to admit if you want to take part in this extreme challenge is this. Admit your way isn't good enough. You see, I believe we are creatures that generally like to improve ourselves. We, we want to be better. We want to try to get better. But, 
But our way of improvement does not always align with God's way of improvement. There was a man, he, the Bible says he was an impotent man. He sat at the pool of Bethesda. And this pool was unique. It was uh, actually five porches. And if you do a little research, there's, there's pools all around the area. But there was one specific pool where an angel would come and touch the water at a given time. And the Bible tells us that around this pool and around these five porches laid all manner of sick and impotent people, all types of people. The reason for that is when the angel would trouble the water, the first person into the water would be healed of their their problem. Whatever it was, whether it was blindness, whether it was impotency, it doesn't matter. If they got to the water first, then they were healed. And Jesus... Looking in a crowd, I don't even know how big, but the Bible does tell us there's all manner of people here. I can just imagine the crowd gathered around this. Have you ever been to a tourist attraction and seen how many people gather around? Like the cars that are buried at a a, a degreed angle? Like, yeah, it's a junkyard and people go to see that. It's amazing. Can you imagine the amount of people that would have been at this healing pool? And out of all of the crowd, Jesus picks this one man out. I don't know why. I guess I'll just have to trust Jesus. And then all that crowd, he approaches one of them. And he engages him in conversation. And Jesus tells us that that man had been sick for 38 years. 38 years. Impotent, unable to walk. And the Bible tells us that this man would sit there every day waiting for the angel to come and trouble the water. But every time he would get close, somebody with a different malady, maybe one that's not so restrictive, would jump into the water first. And Jesus looks at him and he says, this ain't going to work anymore. It ain't worked yet. It ain't fixed you yet. How about you try my way? And he looks at him and says, rise, take up thy bed and walk. The man does. And he walks down the road a little ways and here's a group of, of naysayers. And they look at him and they say, don't you know that this is the Sabbath day? It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. And you know what he looks at them and says? All I know is the man that healed me told me to take up my bed and walk. And there ain't nothing going to stop that. I mean, that's AKJV, the Andrews King James Version. But, but that's what he says. He says, all I know is, he told me to rise up and walk, and you ain't going to put me back down. Amen. The invitation was the same for this man. Follow me. Obey. And, and our way does not always work, just like his way had not worked. And what Jesus' invitation to us this morning is, how about you stop trying to fix your life the way you want? How about you stop trying to fix your marriage the way that you want? How about you stop trying to fix your home the way that you want? And put a little Jesus in the equation and do what he asks you to do. I promise it will come out for the better. We've got to admit this morning that we could stand some improvement. We've got to admit this morning that our way is not good enough And we've also got to admit this morning that He has something that we need. He 
has the answer. I remember when I was a teenager, my dad stopped by a cutting horse ranch one day. And we walked into that building and I became very interested in all that was going on in there. It was a very unique sport. These horses were premier athletes. I loved watching it. And so I talked to my dad and we asked the man who owned the farm if I could just come and work for him for a summer. Not for pay, just to learn what he knew. You know what I recognized as a small child? He knows something that I want to know. I'm going to spend every bit of time I can with him. Now, Jimmy Purcelli taught me all sorts of stuff I didn't want to know. Amen? But what we have to realize is, God has the solution. And He has the answers that we need. We've got to stop going about it our way. We've got to stop doing it our way. And we've got to understand that the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give to you an expected end. God wants to have a hand in your life. But the challenge is this. Are you willing to change for Him? We get set in our ways, don't we? We kind of we stubborn people sometimes. The challenge is will you change for what God wants you to do? Number one, an exciting invitation. Number two, an extreme challenge. Number three this morning, we're almost done. An exclusive opportunity. Here's the reality. If, if, if Christ came to you this morning and said, follow me. The invitation. And he said, I will make you. I will change you the challenge. For those this morning that are willing to accept this great challenge, there is an exclusive opportunity that only exists for those that take him up on this request. How many of you do much traveling like in the airport and, and going around. How many of you do a lot of traveling? Okay, a few. How many of you do some traveling? Maybe once a year you go on a flight on vacation or something. Okay, some of you. How many of you have ever flown in your life before? Okay, some of you. Okay, good. Most of you. All right, perfect. Then most of you will get this illustration. When you walk through the airport, there are all sorts of type of people in the airport. All types of backgrounds, all types of strange and odd people in the airport. We are treated similarly to cattle at the airport. You have a specific terminal, you have a specific gate, you go to that gate, don't look at people, don't make eye contact with anybody, you go sit down until you're called upon. Your group and boarding number, which is generally one of the last ones. You know, we get to our area, and there's a flight with about 180 seats on it, and they have thought this out well enough to offer 30 seats at our gate. You ever notice that? A, a plane that seats 180 people, and there's 30 seats for the people waiting on that plane to sit in. So what happens? Well, people begin to use the wall. They just sit down on the floor. You know, airports are the cleanest places, so that's probably a good idea. Just sit on the floor. And now that technology has gotten involved in it, what do we do? We find the plug. 
Bartering for the plug is one of the most valuable assets at the airport. I see you have a Dr. Pepper and some Funyuns that have not been opened. I have electricity. Trade? It's unbelievable. And if you, if you travel enough, you'll be walking down the, the hallway there and, and, and you'll see all these storefronts and... You know, Dallas Airport has a lot of stores, a lot of places that are very interesting. You'd be walking, there's your McDonald's and your Burger King, and you know, you have all these restaurants, and then you'll come to this place, and it sticks out to me. Because as soon as you look into it, it's, it's just extravagant. It, it looks as if it does not belong in the airport, because everything in the airport is, I hate to say it, third worldish. And in here, everything is beautiful. I mean, they've, they've got lazy boy chairs. But I mean, I've only ever seen the inside of it because one time Sean O'Dell took me in there. <laughs> it's called the Admiral's Club. I don't even know what an admiral is. And yet there's an Admiral's Club. And you see these people, generally they have the little walk, walking bags, you know, look like they travel a lot and they go into these rooms and, and it's like they know them by name. Hi, Mrs. Petrocious. Hi, Mr. Smith. You know, and they just walk in. And if I walked in there, they'd say, who are you? I'd say, well, how do you know I don't belong? Well, we don't generally accept Crocs, you know. But I mean, it is unbelievable. You go into this place and it's just extravagant. It is beautiful, luxurious. There ain't no shortest of plugs in there, man. Everybody has their own personal generator if they want. It's unreal. It's exclusive. And then when you do get to your plane, there is the most awkward moment of any entrance or exit that I've ever been a part of. They load the first class passengers first. And they've built about seven or eight rows of first class seating in these planes. And about 349 rows of normal cheapo depot seats that now we're having to pay up to get. And man, they load those first class passengers first. And you walk through there and... And they are looking at you as if you are scum. And they're, they're on their computer. I mean, you walk by, they see you make eye contact, they put their privacy shield on their computer like they're super important, like you're going to steal their information or something. Good gracious, they're, they're all dressed up. They're, you know, they turn on their Bose Select Comfort Hearing you know, uh, 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 headphones and you go back there and you still got the, the cheap ones that you had to buy at the, state, you know, at the stand in the airport that charged you $25 for something that should be $3 at your local Dollar Tree. I mean, it's unbelievable. And look at you like, please stop taking up my airspace. It's unreal. Exclusive. You know, that's not the way Jesus approaches us. But for the people that take Christ up on the privilege and the challenge of following him and allowing him to make their life, I want to show you this Bible principle, okay? Notice in verse 23. 
And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel in the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. His fame went throughout all Syria and they brought unto all him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and, and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and, and those that had the palsy and he healed them. Notice in verse 25, and there followed him a great multitude of people from Galilee, from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from from Judea and from beyond Jordan, those people had not been extended the invitation to follow him like James, Peter, John, and Andrew had. Now notice as we come to chapter 5. And seeing the multitudes, now Christ was active and helping the multitudes. He healed people all day long. The Bible tells us there's miracles we don't even have record of Jesus did while he was on this earth. But notice this. Seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. A great number of people knew about Jesus, but only his disciples knew him. Because verse 2 tells us, and he opened his mouth and taught them. You know, there's two types of Christians. Those that know about Jesus and those that know Jesus. Those that have experienced the life-changing power of the gospel and those that experience a daily and intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a big difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. And the invitation to you this morning is follow me. And the challenge is I will make you the opportunity is this. We get to see, sit at the feet of our precious Lord and Savior. We get to be under the eye of His watchful care. Do you know Jesus? Or just, do you just know about Him? The Bible says this in John 17. And this is life eternal. That they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. You know, the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, let not the rich man glory in his riches. Let not the, a, a wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord. The most important thing that you can do in this world is know Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus said to a group of people one day, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You've got to admit this morning that your way is not working out. And if you've never accepted the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, you've also got to admit this morning that your way will not get you to heaven. The Bible tells us, for it is appointed unto man once to die, after this the judgment. And if you stand before God in your sins, you will surely go to hell. But Jesus says... But God commendeth his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You don't have to stand before God 
afraid of what might happen, afraid of where you might go, this morning all you have to do is confess with the mouth of the Lord Jesus and, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead and thou shalt be saved. You see, everybody in this room this morning knows about Jesus. My question is not how much you know about him. My question is how well do you know him? Jesus wasn't just having a roundup day He was having a life-changing day. This morning can be a day that changes your life for the rest of your life. Don't miss an opportunity to know about Jesus.